Amen? It's important that we look at it. Glory to God. You know, there was an author and pastor named Erwin Lutzer. He made this statement. He said, one minute after you slip behind the parted curtain, you will either be enjoying a personal welcome from Christ or be catching your first glimpse of gloom as you have never known it. Either way, your future will be irrevocably fixed and eternally unchangeable. That means when you breathe your last, friend, there is no changing. No changing, okay? Because many of us in this room have lost loved ones. Really, we haven't lost them. <laughs> you know, we say that. Sorry for your loss. But if they're a child of God, you didn't lose them. They're in the loving arms of Jesus. And you can say that with confidence. Well, my loved one is spending some time with Jesus right now. They're just hanging out and having a good time. We'll be together here for long. I mean, if I went to, uh, you know, Europe, me and my wife went to Europe, I mean, if somebody asked you, where's Nathan Blinda? Oh, man, we lost him. We lost him. They went to Europe, we lost him. You wouldn't say that. It's a destination. And heaven's just the same way, guys. It's just another location that we go to. Amen? So why are we talking about dying? I want you all to listen to this. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you're going to live right now. If you have what I had years ago before Christ, I had this mentality, when we die, we just go to the dirt. You know, they dig a hole and they put you in it and that's it. Well, my life reflected that. I partied, I drank, I cussed, I, I did whatever I wanted to do. Because really, I just thought this was it. We better get all the life we can out of this because when I die, I'm dead. It's gone. It's over with. That was my perspective and that is most of the world's perspective. That's why they, they live, they throw caution to the wind, and they just don't really live with a purpose. They think there's more value here. We got to, we got to, oh, man, I don't want Jesus to come back before I get married. Oh, oh I got to get married before Jesus come back. Oh, man, I want to get that job. Oh, and, you know, in, in the world, they don't say it like that. Their Jesus is their marriage they may have with a relationship. Their Jesus is that job. Their Jesus is, you know, the, the vacation or whatever. That is their Savior from, from the things in this world. They live for that moment. But guys, we live for something way bigger. And what we have is what we need to give away. Because the world is just running, this, running through this life with no worry about the end or no thought of the end. And it's going to happen. You and I will live somewhere for eternity. What you do today impacts eternity. In the upcoming weeks, I'm going to be talking about hell, the flames of hell. <laughs> Who goes to hell? Is there really a hell? Okay. We're going to talk about heaven on Father's Day. Hallelujah. All your daddies, we're going to be talking about Father's Day in heaven. Hallelujah. But we're going to talk about these things, and we're going to let the Bible paint a picture to us that I think will encourage us because really, guys, when you get saved, your, your, your whole mission changes. You're no longer about building your life. You're about helping others build theirs. And if we live with an eternal you know, perspective, knowing that there is a hell out there and there is a heaven out there, then I guess when we get around people, we'll probably look at people with a little, little different perspective because, man, their life could be over just like that. Hallelujah. But there's three things that happen after this life is done. One, of course, obviously, is our physical body dies. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as people are destined to die once, hallelujah, and you know that the studies are in, I mean, they've done you know, an intensive study, that one out of one people die. Did you know that? One out of one. Nobody gets out of here any other way. You're going to die. You know, and I had this thought as I was preparing this message, I'm going... 
You know, if eternity is real, and it is, and if I want to be there a lot longer than I am here, wouldn't it stand to reason that I would want to get an idea or maybe spend some time thinking about where I'm going to be forever versus spending all my waking moment like all of us do? We're so busy. We're busy. We're busy. We're busy. We're busy. We're busy. That word came from hell. You know that, right? That didn't come from God. He never intended for his kids to be so busy they couldn't do anything in life. That's not. The devil wants us to stay busy, 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 busy. Building what? What are we building? Because when you and I die, guess what? <laughs> you can't take none of it with you when you go. If we spent most of our time building for eternity, how much better would our lives be? How much better would our families be? How much better would our kids be? How much better would the community be? If we built everything with eternity in sight, it would be awesome, guys. It would be life-changing. It would change everything we do. When we wake up in the morning, we would say, this is an etern eternity walk today. Who am I going to come in contact with that I can make an eternal difference in their life? But instead, we're worried about what we got to do because we're too busy planning our lives that we don't take time to plan for Him. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will. I come to do my Father's will who is in heaven. He said that while He was living and breathing down here. Do you think He didn't have the temptation to get busy? Oh, yeah, he had the temptation to get busy. But he said, I'm about my father's business. Hey, mom, dad, the reason why I wasn't with you at 12 years old and the reason why you left me, okay, and you couldn't find me is I'm about whose business? 12 years old. I'm about my father's business. Well, if that's, you know, good for a 12-year-old, is it not good for us? I mean, it's hard to find people today in America that even has time to come to church. And most of them say church ain't that important. It ain't that big a deal. I love God. I can have church at home. How's that working for you? I'm telling you, we need each other. And we need to do things His way. Hallelujah. Our physical body dies. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And He will appear a second time, not to, to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are what? Whoa. Waiting for Him. That means every day. Wow. This could be the day. Wow. Every day. Wow. This could be the day. Hallelujah. Number one. Things that happen after our, our life is done is uh, our physical body dies. Number two, our spirit and soul separates from our physical body. Hallelujah. I see a lot of people, they equate uh, our soul with our brain. Did you know your brain is just an organism, okay, by which your mind works through? All right? Your, your mind, your soulish part of you will live forever. Your spirit and soul lives on. All right? Read the scriptures. There's a chapter in Luke, Luke 16 where you had the rich man and you had Lazarus. They both died. The, the rich man's in hell, okay? And he's saying, hey, Abraham, I'm thirsty. Could you have Lazarus? You know, give me a dip. Give me a dip. Give me some water. That wasn't his spirit talking. That was his soul talking. We know spirits don't die. You can't kill a spirit. But sometimes people don't realize your soul goes with you. Our bodies are the only thing that die. You will be placed into a new body in heaven, your soul. That means if you knew me here on earth, you're going to know me in heaven. Okay? We're going to know each other. You ain't going to go to heaven and go, oh, man, who are you? 
No. We're going to know each other. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. Glory to God. Matthew 10, 28 says this. And do not fear, this is Jesus, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You need to have a reverent respect for God. Now be scared of God, but do you know he has the power to dismiss you out of the courtroom of heaven and your body and your soul and your spirit, everything will burn forever. He has the power to do that. We need to live with that on us. So when you're out in the world and you're about to do something stupid, you need to think for a minute. <laughs> How's this going to go up in the courtroom of heaven? Is this going to be dismissed or is this going to be spoken to me? Just, just imagine at your funeral and you will have a funeral. Not a lot of excitement on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. You will have a funeral. And most funerals, what do they do? They come in, they weep, they cry. Hey, you know, hey, how you doing? What happened? Oh, yeah, this is, oh, man, sorry, man. There's a lot of weeping and crying. I hope at my funeral there's none of that. Please, God, don't let that be the case. Please don't be the case. I pray it does not the case. Come to my funeral, high-fiving. Woo! Man, he's having blast right now in heaven because I am, okay? But anyway, you go to the funeral, you do all that, and then where do you go? You go to have a potluck dinner. Well, you go to the grave, but then after the grave, we're going to eat. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? No matter how sad you are, we all got a belly and we're hungry, okay? So you go and you have some food, <laughs> all right? And then, at that point, though, while they're at the funeral, while you're going to the potluck dinner, while you're at the grave, you are is more alive at that point than you was before you was in the body. You're alive. And for most of our loved ones that struggle at the end of their life, and they're hurting, they're in pain, they're in so much better condition. They're literally revived. They're happy. They're flourishing. The Bible really talks about we should celebrate when one goes home. We should cry when one's born. I wonder why. <laughs> My God, this world's crazy. You know what I'm saying? But we should. You made it. You out of here. Praise God. Man, whew, I'm next. I hope. Let me get out of here. You know what I'm saying? But we should celebrate the lives of people. Why? Because they're not dead. They are alive. Your loved one is not dead. Your loved one is alive. That's why it's so important with our loved ones that we get Jesus in their heart, that we help them find Jesus. I mean, that's the most disturbing thing in my life is to go to a funeral where we don't know where they went. That hurts. That hurts bad because I know the opposite of where they may be. And, man, you stand up there, and I know they always say these loving, kind words because, really, I don't know what else you would say. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You're going to say something nice. But the reality is, man, the decisions that you make on this earth have everything to do with where you spend eternity. It's very important that we do the right thing. You know, Jesus illustrated this truth in John eleven twenty five. 25. He was, uh, you know, Lazarus had died and Mary and Martha were upset because Jesus didn't come when he was supposed to come. And, and then, you know, they were like, oh, man, why wasn't you here? And, and he looks at, you know, Martha said, you know, Jesus, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here, he would have been all right. Well, Jesus says these words to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Never die. Death to a believer is a door to another room. Period. You will not taste death. You're not going to feel death. You're going to the next room, honey. And it's much better in that room than the room you're in. And when you get to that room, you ain't looking back to this room. I can promise you that. Life is way better on the other side. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. And then he says this question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's a question he's asking all of us. Do you believe this? Because what you believe about a thing has everything to do with whether you enjoy the thing. He's saying this to Martha, do you believe this? And each one of us needs to get this in us too. Do we believe that if we put our faith in Jesus, we will never die? So what happens to our spirits and souls when our physical body dies? Not entirely clear. Don't know everything that happens. I don't know everything that happens. But we do have a picture of Jesus on the cross. Two thieves was on either side, okay? And both of these thieves, they were guilty. They were guilty. And they knew what was going on. They saw what was going on. And they both needed forgiveness. Two thieves, Jesus in the middle. They knew Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. They were guilty. They had sin. But then we all of a sudden see one of these guys that's on, on his right or left. It tells us, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it was that, but he was on, his, on one of his sides. He said to Jesus, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, when I say paradise to everybody in this room, do you think dump, stinking, awful, wouldn't want to go there? Ooh, paradise? No. You think about paradise, you think about good. You think about fun. I think about sandy beaches, <laughs> palm trees. I'm in clear water because I've been to Cayman Islands. So any beach in Florida, forget it, okay? Cayman Islands is where I've been. I know there's other islands too, but once I went to the Cayman Islands and I seen that along that eight-mile beach or seven-mile beach, that water's like pool water. I think of that. That's my picture of paradise. Yours may be the mountains. You may be your backyard. I don't know, but I mean, when you think of paradise, it's good. So Jesus has given us a glimpse of what happens when you die. You're going to be in paradise with who? So when you die, is it a bad thing? That's why I say when I die, don't cry. Don't waste your tears. Say that on something way more important because I'm having a good time. And I don't want to look down and see a bunch of people crying. <laughs> what? Come on, man. Rock out. Have a blast. Man, I made it. Why don't we do that? Belinda, wow, he made it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I mean, man, let's get excited about it. Man, I'm telling you, I'm excited about the day I meet Jesus. I'm not sitting here going, man, I just want to stay on earth a little bit longer. <laughs> man, if it was today, I'd be going, whoa, hallelujah. Man, come on. I'm excited. Hallelujah. Man, going to meet him? Man, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Paul describes it like this in Philippians 1.20. He says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for who? Christ. And dying is what? Huh? <laughs> Come on, man. He goes on to say, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. That's a good amen there too. We can do some fruitful work for Christ. Amen. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which is what? Man, he puts far in front of better now. It ain't just better, it's far better. Hallelujah for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live because he knew that he wanted to continue to help the people. Is that what you struggle with at night? Oh, man, gosh, I want to go home and be with Jesus. Ah, oh, but I need to stay and help some more people. Ah, oh, man, I want to go home and be with Jesus. But I know it would be really good. God, heaven's going to be awesome. Ah, oh, but I need to stay here and help some more people. Or is your thoughts on you all the time? Well, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. Ah, 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 
Not a good song. <laughs> but the reality is, guys, if you give your heart to Jesus, he's got it. You don't. And we got to be like Paul. We got to say, look, I'm here for a reason, to help people. What happens one minute after you die? Number one, your physical body dies, your spirit and soul separates from your body, and then we all face judgment. Oh, man, the court date I've been telling you all about, it's, it's almost there. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 1.17 tells us this. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no what? Favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as a what? Temporary resident. This is not your permanent home, people. Whether you live for Jesus or you don't live for Jesus, this is not your permanent home. Hallelujah. And I say glory to God. I'm tired of looking and fixing plumbing and yeah, whatever. I mean, gosh, I look at my house sometimes. Can't you fix yourself? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, wow, you know. So one day we're going to be in a place that we don't have to do that no more. The shower always works. Hallelujah. It's always a good temperature. It's going to be great. Hallelujah. Well, there's two judgments, guys. The first one is the great white throne judgment. And I, I agree with most scholars that they, they, they say that this, this judgment here is for people that don't know Christ. Revelation 20, verses 10 through 15 says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they were being tormented day and night forever and ever. I'm not going to shed one tear when that happens. I'm just telling you. When the devil is completely thrown away, this joker right here is going to be doing a Holy Ghost dance. I'm going to be dancing in the Spirit. I want him to get what's coming to him. Because I'm going to tell you something. He is a rat. He has tried to wreck our lives. He tries to destroy our lives all the time. So when he's tossed in there, I hope I get to have a help in it. I hope I get to help the master do that. That would be an awesome thing. And then he said, John, I mean, John said this on the island of Patmos when he had this vision. And he said, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. Who do you think sitting on that throne? God Almighty. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. <laughs> you can't run from God. I mean, if the clouds can't hide from God, you ain't got a shot. And the books were open, including the book of life. I love it when it says the books were open. That means there's a lot of books. He's got a book on you. He's writing everything you do, say everything. Why? Because you matter to him. You think about a God that knows the number of hairs on your head. Do you don't think he knows every word that comes out of your mouth? Oh, yeah. And don't you think if he's going to take time to know how many hairs you have on your head, either more or less, don't matter, either real or fake, he knows how many hairs you have, okay? But if he's going to take the time to count all that right there, don't you think he's going to take the time to know what his kid's doing? How about you as a parent? Do you keep up with what your kids are doing? The best we can. Hallelujah. Yes, we want to know where they're at, what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're acting. Oh, we want to know all that. And it can and will be used against you in the court of living room, <laughs> if need be. Hallelujah. But your daddy's the same way. But he has this one book called the Book of Life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And, the, and all were judged according to their deeds. The death, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Get a picture of that. Death and the grave were thrown into the fire. That's powerful. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of what? That's a bad place. And he has no respect of persons. He's going to judge accordingly. He's going to do it right and he's going to do it fair. 
What you do in this body matters to how that, the outcome in that courtroom it goes. It's serious. And if we're going to be in eternity for a long time, don't you think we need to invest our time and energy and resources to find out about eternity and how we can live to please Him? Absolutely you do. And it don't matter who else is doing it or who ain't doing it. You know that your date is coming and you want to make sure you're ready. Receive Jesus and your name is written in His book. It's sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Names in His book by putting your faith in the grace of salvation through Jesus, not by any works that you do. Saved by grace, not by your works. Those who did not put their faith in Jesus, they were separated from Him. They were in hell. And the real true hell, guys, is because you're separated from God. It's not necessarily the flames. It's you're separated from God. That's the, that's the hell. Jesus says something in the Bible that's very powerful about this. Matthew 7, 21-23. And these are scriptures I know most of y'all have read, and y'all probably had the same thought I had. Like, oh, whoa, what did he just say? That's powerful. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day when I judge them, Lord, Lord, we have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You are banished from my presence. You who act wickedly disregarding my commands. Lord, 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 Lord. Didn't I go to church around Easter and Christmas? Lord, 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 Lord. I, I was a nice guy. I was better than most people. I mean, there's a lot of more people that were, that were worse than me. Lord, 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 I helped in church. I donated to the Salvation Army. Ding, 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 ding. We, we donated. We gave a little money. Hallelujah. I gave to the poor. I never knew you. You didn't have a relationship with me. Your name ain't here. There's going to be a lot of people on that day that make excuses of why they should go to heaven. But did you know your excuses are not going to let you go? You got one shot, guys. We all got one shot. It's called life. This is not a game. This is reality. And we will be judged according to what we do and how we act. And we're not saved based on what we do. That salvation is a free gift, okay? You're not working for your salvation, okay? If you're saved, you're going to heaven, but you're going to stand before Jesus one day. And if you're not saved, you're going to stand before God. And it's a big, big deal what happens. Hallelujah. There's another judgment for believers only, and it's the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10, which we read earlier, says, For we believers will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. This is, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. You know, the Greek word here uh, that's used for judgment seat of Christ is, is, is bema seat. That's the, the translation of it in the Greek. It's called bema seat. And they get that term from the Greek Olympic Games. And what would happen is, is, you know, when they would have their Olympic Games, there would be a judge that sat on the bema seat. And that means at the end that they would all come to the judge and that they would get their prize. They would get rewarded. And that's the same thing with Jesus. We're all going to be rewarded, not the same. We're not all getting the same rewards. Well, that ain't fair, man. Why would Jesus do that? No, 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 no. He gives you a shot. He gives you a chance. Just like your company. Do they give you a raise just because you show up? Are you kidding me? If you do, call me. I want to know where you're working at. Hallelujah. I mean, I'll show up every day if I can get a raise. No, 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 no. 
You get raises, you get promotions, you get demotions based on what you do or what you didn't do. Well, where'd they get that from? Jesus is going to bless us and reward us based on what we do. Hallelujah. You know, there was, a, there was a verse in the Bible that I wanted to read real quick, and I'm going to go ahead and do it because uh, I think we need to think about this. It's Paul saying something else about the judgment of the seat of Christ, but he kind of goes about it a little bit different. Romans 14.10, it says, But why do you judge your brother? Let me ask you that question. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you judge your brother and sister? Why do you show contempt for your brother? These are questions that we all have to ask because I'm going to tell you something. In the church of God, there's more judging and backbiting and talking about each other than it needs to be. We need to be lifting each other up and praying for each other, not stepping on each other and talking bad about each other. And Jesus is making a point of this through Paul. He said, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. How you judge people. I can't believe them kids. Man, if that was my kids, they wouldn't be acting that way. Look at how they're acting. Sweetheart, can you look at that? They call themselves a Christian and they're acting that way. That's crazy. Whoa, 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 watch out. Well, who made you the judge? This goes on all the time. In the name of it's okay. That God's given them a license to go around and judge the body of Christ. I've got the badge. Sheriff. Hallelujah. I can tell everybody what to do and how to do it. Last time I checked, Jesus is their Savior, not you. And maybe he's working in them to do something. Maybe because they're not where you're at at the time, don't mean they won't get there. But how about you shut your mouth and pray for them instead of talking about them? How about you instead of judging them, you bless them? How about that? How about we quit judging the body of Christ and we started blessing somebody? You see if somebody's struggling, you ain't pointing your finger at them, you're going over there helping them. Amen. Sister, let me help you out. I know you kind of struggle a little bit. I'm here for you. What do you need? Does your gas bill need to be paid? Can I do something for you? Can I help you? Hey, brother, I see you struggling a little bit. Man, I want to help you out, brother. I want to bless you. I want to help you. I'll get in this mud with you. Instead of pointing fingers at each other in the body of Christ. That's, that is shameful, man. It really is, guys. We should be the, this should be the most encouraging center in the world. We should be our own heroes, man. Well, I love you. Celebrate each other, man. Fired up about seeing each other. Wanting everybody to do good. Because I'm going to tell you something. Somebody else's success is your success as well. And when you judge, whatever judgment you pass on somebody, guess what that judgment's getting ready to do? Woom! It's going to hit you. And it's going to hurt too. You can't stand in Jesus' shoes. But then he goes on to say this. So therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Amen. Let's don't do it. But rather resolve this, not by putting a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. Verse 21, it is good neither to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. And I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, the obvious, you know, if you're doing something, you know, adultery or drinking or drugs or you shot three people, those are the obvious, okay? We, we, we can say that there is some obvious things, but friend, it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. Those are those little small things that you think is okay. Those are the ones that Jesus is going to bring up on Judgment Day. When you was talking about somebody, when you was gossiping, when you was slandering, when you was judging, when you thought you was better than somebody else, that's going to be brought up. Because in the light of Jesus, we all got work to do. Amen? Everybody in this church has got work to do. 
We should help our brother, not judge our brother. You see somebody struggling, that's not your opportunity to talk bad about them and lift yourself up like you perfect child of God. Really? If we was to walk around with you all day and see what you listen to and what you do all day, what would we get? Hallelujah. I mean, seriously, we all need work. But I want y'all to encourage me and I want to encourage y'all. I don't want to be picking y'all up, making y'all feel bad. No. Come on, man. We all mess up. Hallelujah. So I just want to throw that out there. Let's don't do anything to cause somebody to stumble. And I'm going to tell you, in the body of Christ, it's at a restaurant. When somebody walks by and you're sitting there talking about somebody. Or your kids hear you talking about somebody in church. Why not just go ahead and just pour poison on them? Because when they get to that age, they're gone. And they ain't going to serve that God. And I don't blame them. Let's be clear. Not judgment for your sins. The price has been paid for that. Judged on what we did. Finishing our race. We will be rewarded. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day. Remember, we're saved by grace. We're rewarded for our works we do. When you get saved, you don't think about working for the Lord. You don't. When I got saved, even to this day, I don't think about working for the Lord. I'm honored. I'm privileged to be a person that gets to do something for Jesus. I mean, yesterday I showed up with the vacuum cleaner. She's getting her hair done, getting all dolled up, looking good. Ooh, man, I tell you what, turning me on. Hallelujah. So I figured I'm going to go up here. I'm going to do some vacuuming. I'm going to do some cleaning, okay? I'm going to do some cleaning. Why? Not because I have to. It's because I want to. I love my church. I love this house. I love the people that go here. I didn't come up here to try to get anybody. Guess what? Here comes Mary and Cindy knocking on the door. We didn't call each other. I just want to, I was just going to clean the church. We come in here, we, we cleaning the church, dusting everything, having a good time. I don't look at that as work. I look at that as a privilege. Amen. I don't got to, oh my God, I got to go to church. Ah, I get to go, man. This is the best day of the week. Awesome. I love it. Amen. And when you truly get saved, all you're thinking about is what you can do for Jesus. I'm telling you, you stay fired up about how can I serve him more? How can I help people more? You know, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Just getting turned on to God and staying turned on to Him. But you know what, guys? What will we be judged on? We're going to be judged on how we treated people. We're going to be judged on words you speak. We're going to be judged on what we did with our money, our time, our talents. You're going to be judged on that. Was the kingdom of God important to you or was your kingdom important? It's all shown in your banking account. We're going to be judged on how we endured suffering, how we did well leading others to Christ. Because in this world we live in, we're preached, don't go sharing your faith with people on the job. That can be offensive. By all means, don't go knock on the door and tell somebody about Jesus. That's old. That's done away with. That's passed away. You know, be quiet about your faith. Your faith is your faith. No, 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 no. The gospel is meant to be what? Preached by all people that know him. In love, not being mean or hatred, but in love. Hallelujah. Imagine this, your life is over. One day this is going to happen. Your physical body ceases to exist any longer. Game over. It's over. And you stand before Jesus. And you can't stand so you fall to your knees in awe-inspiring reverence for Him. Then He puts a crown on your head and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You know when you was in children's church and you was helping those little babies out, in the nursery. You was teaching those kids about Jesus. You was doing that for me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in here. You know, you was at the door greeting people. You was in the cafe making coffee. And you was touching people. And you was sharing the love of Jesus with them. That was me. Thank you. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
you know, you came early and you got the instruments ready, all the packs ready and all the microphones ready. And everybody came and showed up with their instruments and you may tune in their voices in and getting ready to sing drums, getting ready. We're getting prepared. We're getting here early. And, and, and y'all was practicing to sing for me. Then y'all led the people in worship and you, and you worshiped me and, and they joined in. Thank you. You did that for me. Well done, that good and faithful servant. You know, you worked with the teenagers. And hallelujah, he, he says, thank you. But you, you prepare in your busy life. You got things going on. You got other things happening. But you prepare. You take time. You come here. You set up things. You, you move things. You plan things. Thank you. You did that for me. Well done, that good and faithful servant. You're the brightest light on your job. That means when you go to work, people know there's something different about you. They know something's going on about you that's different with other people around. You're shining for Jesus. You're always happy. You're always bubbling. You're always ready to give a good word, encouraging. Thank you. You did that for me. Well done. I'm telling you guys, the opportunities for us to serve Him are magnanimous. That's a good one. Magnanimous. He said, you gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. You visited me. And we say, Lord, when did we do this? And he says, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. If we would quit comparing our serving with other people and just served, what would the church look like? If our mind was on preparing this church to be excellent and ready to go every Sunday, man, where would we be? If your spiritual life was, was important to you to be prepared before you hit the road Monday morning to your job, how would your job look? Those people are not just people. They are people that God's put in your way to go full of Him, to give something to them. When God touches your life, and listen to this, when God touches your life and you respond to Him and give Him your life, He then wants us to turn your, our time and attention and resources to others. Then allow Him to do for us what we've been trying to do without Him in our lives. When you meet Jesus, at that point when you meet Jesus, you give Him lordship of your life. Now it's your job to take Him to others. You be Jesus to the world while Jesus is helping you. He's taking care of all the things, your provision, your healing, your help. He's taking care of all that. He's taking care of all because He's your Lord. You're not your Lord anymore. You gave that away. So now it's my job to go help others' lives get better. Help people find the Jesus I found. Because when you find Jesus, you find provision, protection, and help. That's where the help is. Hallelujah. Jesus be your Lord. You be Jesus to others. Jesus provides what you need. You help others with what they need. You know, as I close, you know, guys, just in my own personal life, and I'll be real with you. Hallelujah. I'll be real with you. In my own personal life, I'm like y'all. I don't always get it right. And I'll be honest with you, as I studied this message today and thinking about the judgments and all, thinking about all this, I looked at my own life and I, and I did a review of my own life and I, I said, you know what, Nathan? I don't really go after God like I should. I don't read my Bible like I should. I really don't spend the time with Him like I really want to. I had to be real. I had to be honest. Because really... Sometimes as a believer that's walked with Jesus for a while, we think the longer we've walked with Christ, that just counts as, you know, hey, we don't really have to read and pray and do those things. And the longer I live on this world, 
my roots get embedded into this world. My roots go deeper into this world system. My, wor- my, my roots can go deeper into what's going on around me. And just to be real honest with you guys, there's times that I desire things more than I desire Him. There's times that I've put other things before Him. And I'm just being open with you, an open book, that I go through things just like everybody else does, and there's just times that, you know what, I don't do what I should do. And I'm not happy with that. Because He's the reason I'm standing here today. He's the reason I'm having, you know, a second chance in life. He gave it to me. And I want to make a determination in my own heart, and I would like for you to do the same, that we look at this time together, and we look at the Word of God as a time to where it's pushing us, it's challenging us to have a personal relationship with Him. You know, man, how you live your life has nothing to do with me, man. I love you no matter what you do. I do. And this church welcomes anybody and everybody. There's nothing you can do to stop us from loving you. And there's nothing you can do to stop us from being a part of your life, unless you just walk away from us. But your relationship's your relationship with God. I didn't save you. I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do and what not to do. That's not my job. But I do want to encourage you to go deeper, to make more of a commitment to go after Him. Because I believe when you do that, you're going to find what you're looking for. You'll find everything you're looking for. And I found in my own life, guys, where, where I used to could just spend some time with God and, man, it was like I was in His presence or I could spend some time reading the Word and it was like I was there. I'm finding myself now having to pray a little bit longer. I'm having to, to go a little deeper in the Word, spend a little bit more time to where it's uncomfortable and just keep reading and keep reading. Praying to where my flesh is just uncomfortable. Praying to where it's like, oh, man, it just, you know, you, you got to get past that, you know, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Give until it hurts a little bit. Giving some of that money away to where it begins to hurt a little bit. It's uncomfortable. Because I have to remind myself, He's Lord, I'm not. I'm not the provider. I'm not the one that can do anything for her or anybody else. He's the one. So what happens one minute after you die? You're living. You're alive. But you're going to face the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you want to face Him on that day? Ready. And it starts right here, guys. We've been given a chance. Today, you can hit the reset button in your life and you can say, Lord, I want a new fresh start today. I want to start fresh today. I want to say old. I want to say goodbye to the old and hello to the new. And with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you're here today and you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never committed your whole life to Jesus, today's the day that you do that. You're going to live for eternity. But the decision you make today has got everything to do with where you spend eternity. So if that's you today and you want to say yes to Jesus and you want to say, Lord, I want to come to you. I want you to be bold and I just want you to raise your hand. We're not going to call you out, but just be bold. Say, yes, yes, I want to come to Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I see that hand. I want to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're out there and you say, you know what, Nathan? You know, man, at one time I was walking with the Lord. But just to be real honest with you, I've been my own Lord here for years. That could be anybody on the stage, back there, anywhere. It could be anybody that you've took the reins of lordship and now you're running your life. Well, Jesus is saying, hey, look, today can be a new fresh start for you too. So if that's you and you say, you know what, man, I want to make a fresh start. Listen, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to make you feel embarrassed. We want to pray with you. And I think when you raise your hand, you're telling Jesus you're serious.
the devils and demons in hell know, hey, look, I'm for real and I mean business. I'm going to give him my whole life. If that's you, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I see that hand. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Making a step. Making a step. Being bold. Knowing that on the other side of this, guys, I'm telling you, is the greatest life you'll ever experience. To know that you don't have to run the show anymore. He's got it. He's got you. He'll help you. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, if we could, guys, if all y'all could stand, because here we, we pray all together. That means if you raise your hand, we're going to pray with you as a family. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Why? Because we're in this together. Amen? Would y'all not agree? We had hands raised up here, and I believe today when we pray, your life will be changed forever. And I want you to believe that, that by faith as we pray, you believe that what you say is going to change some things. And if you didn't raise your hand and you thought, man, I needed to raise my hand, man, just pray the prayer. Amen? And watch God. do. It ain't the prayer. It's your heart being abandoned to Him right now. So everybody say this after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and to make all things new. I make a commitment to serve you, to love you, and to give you my life from this day forward. Jesus, I'm asking for grace and help to get me through. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Lord and my Savior right now in Jesus' Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Could y'all put your hands together? Because several people gave their heart to Jesus and came back. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.